This is Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers and Gus Piercy, a weekly Hendricks County Icon podcast presented by Abstract and Title and Hendricks Power Cooperative. Our guest today is Lynn Clinton, Associate Director of Susie's Place in Avon, uh, also Terre Haute and Bloomington. Um, and Lynn is going to tell us about Susie's Place, which is a child advocacy center. Rick's on uh, break today, just uh, so that you know, it's just me and Lynn uh, talking about this today. Hey, Lynn, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me today. Well, that's the job is for us to find people to talk to from Hendricks County. Now, tell us about Susie's Place and what it is. Susie's Place is a child advocacy center that was founded in 2009. To understand what it is, you have to understand how crimes against children were investigated before child advocacy centers. So back in the day, if there was a child who was the victim of abuse or neglect, they would outcry at school. They would or anywhere else, but typically it happens at school. And in this example, that's where we'll go. Um, they would tell their teacher. Often then they would be referred to a counselor, potentially a principal, tell their stories over and over. Eventually they would get involved with Department of Child Services. They would tell their story to that person. Then they would have to tell their story to law enforcement often in a place that is scary or where they feel like they're in trouble because they're going to a police station. And oftentimes they would talk to the police in the same room that a perpetrator would be interviewed in. And then they'd have to tell their story again to prosecutors. So over that time, there was the potential for intimidation. There was the potential for stories to change. That's just human nature. So it became very challenging to prosecute for crimes against children. So the CAC movement started to try and eliminate the amount of times the child had to tell their story and try to minimize the trauma. So what we do is bring all of those investigation arms together, DCS, law enforcement, prosecutors. The child comes to our center, which is child-friendly, homey, comforting. They talk to a specially trained forensic interviewer. They tell their story one time in a non-leading, non-suggestive manner, and all of those key players are there in another room watching on closed-circuit television, and they're seeing the conversation live so that the child only has to speak to one person one time. So that so it's basically a, a tool to to help kids testify for 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 lack of better terminology, yep. right? Yep, that's a great way to put it. It's just a tool to get to the facts of what did or did not happen to that child. So we are completely neutral. Our goal is not to get some sort of disclosure. We only want to get to the facts. So it's a neutral fact-finding conversation. But if law enforcement, prosecutors, Department of Child Services, if they need additional information, they can communicate with our forensic interviewer live during that conversation, and then the interviewer can follow up. And that way, if it does go down the criminal path or even the Department of Child Services interventions, then they have the opportunity to get all the information they need in just that one conversation. So give me an idea uh, how many kids are spoken to. This is common? I mean, to have a place... Yes. There would have to be some numbers involved, right? Do you have any number? Do you have yep. any idea? Uh, Susie's Place has been open since 2009, and we have talked to 11,500 kiddos, probably over that number at this point. We average about 1,500 kiddos a year. And while that number can be staggering for people, it actually is just the tip of the iceberg because child abuse and neglect continues to be severely unreported. So the amount of kids that are suffering from it are probably much higher than the number that we actually talk to. That's like that's like three kids a day. Mm -hmm. Three kids a day 
Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the majority are abuse? Yep. The majority of what we do, actually, 75% of the interviews we do are child sex abuse allegations. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but... I, 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 it's incredible. It's incredulous to me. Yes. That, that to me is, it's so, uh, it's so, it's so defeating to hear this. And then I don't even know how to deal with the reality of that. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not COVID-19. This is not no. a pandemic. The, the, this is not a disease pandemic. It's a pandemic of actions, right? right? It's a pandemic of criminality. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad, but 75% of a thousand kids a year mm-hmm. sexual abuse. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Um, and then the other staggering number is that about 90% of those child sex abuse cases are from perpetrators the children know. So that was the other number that truly shocked me. I came to Susie's place with no social work background, no crimes against children or criminology background. Um, so I was stunned to hear that the vast majority of these cases are perpetrators that the child knows, family members, family friends, neighbors, things like that. Um I was raised in the stranger danger kind of mentality where it was, uh, you know, you don't talk to anybody you don't know. If they offer candy in the car, they're going to kidnap you. And so I was shocked to know how many of these situations, and it's 90%, are people that your child probably feels safe talking to. Right. And that's the part that boggles my mind. Of course. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and, and the 75% of a thousand kids Mm -hmm. that reached that level right to where they're willing to go and tell on right to talk about it yes um so th- these child advocacy centers are kind of a new thing that 2009 that's not i mean but mm-hmm. they're popping up more and more because it's a it's a clean and efficient way of doing things it is it absolutely is, is it, and it, it reduces the trauma everything we do is what we call child first so not only do we want to help facilitate the process for department of child services prosecutors and law enforcement our bottom line is that we want to protect protect the child first so from the moment they walk in our doors they are in a setting that is comfortable we want to meet all of their needs if there's a situation where a child is not ready to talk about what's happening we're not going to force them it is not an interrogation it is 100 percent a conversation that they lead so that we are not pushing we are not berating them with questions everything we do is child first so if we get to a position where a child can no longer talk about it or they're they don't want to emotionally it's too traumatic we will stop and we'll take a back seat to what that kiddo needs and try to get them as comfortable and safe as possible now um so describe the room that is uh, do, how many rooms do you have where these uh, interrogations happen how many well people not do interrogations you have? sorry thank you <laughs> interviews i appreciate um, interviews yes interrogations <laughs> yes. Thank you. I know. that's. I only say that because that is such a common misconception of what we do. Absolutely. So I would never want anybody to think that that's how it is. The rooms are actually very plain. Each of our centers have two interview rooms. So we have the ability to do two forensic interviews at the same time. And forensic being after the fact. Yes, in fact finding. Okay, mm-hmm. in fact finding. Okay. Yep. So that's what they're technically called as forensic interviews. Um, 
so we have two rooms at each center they're very plain so they have two giant comfy chairs one for the interviewer and one for the kiddo each room has what's called a pan tilt zoom camera that's up in the ceiling similar to what you see at a grocery store for security um that is how we see the kiddo so it is not a camera in anybody's face or anything that so the kid um, doesn't even really know that there's a camera there they it's not in your face we do actually explain the room and make sure they know that there's a camera there and that there's a team that's watching um child sex abuse and child abuse in general is such a secretive topic that we would never want a child to come into our center and think that we're tricking them in any way shape or form right we don't want them to be surprised and then not trust us so when they come into the room we explain where the camera is we explain where the microphone is which is embedded into the wall and we make sure they know that we have a team of partners in the other room that are watching they're not going to come in they're not going to interrupt but they are there and and uh, this uh, happens several times a week and mm-hmm. is there any pre and how do how are these set up who sets these up that's a great question um every child who comes into our centers has to have an active investigation through law enforcement or department of child services so a mom who's concerned about their child cannot necessarily call and ask to schedule a forensic interview. It has to be an active investigation through law enforcement or through the Department of Child Services. And uh, so, and that's important. I mean, because um, you know, it can't be just you call up Susie's place and say, "Hey, can I get an interview for right. my child? I think there's something going on." Yes. I don't, you have to call law enforcement and let them know and they'll they'll make a decision as to whether to start an investigation yep law enforcement or there's an 800 number to report child abuse for the department of child services so you either call into that child abuse hotline or you call law enforcement what do you do as associate director (laughs) that is a good question Um, (laughs) and probably most of our staff would wonder that as well it's specially trained people that do the interviews correct and i am not that guy okay um so i am actually kind of when i started at Susie's place i would call myself the black sheep because i was the one who had no social work background no mental health background no um criminology background i truly do the operation side of things so i am the boring paper pusher um, I keep the facilities going. We work on grants, fundraising, um, compliance, human resource type stuff. So I'm the boring guy in the back that you never see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're listening to Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers and Gus Piercy. Rick is on break, but uh, I'm here with Lynn Clinton, presented by Abstract and Title uh, and Hendricks Power Cooperative. Lynn is Associate Director of Susie's Place. Uh, are you Associate Director for all of the centers, Terre Haute and Bloomington, or just the one? Nope, over all of them. And she pushes all the papers, but... <laughs> Yes, I do. From your background, though, from your background, you're looking at it. You came into it like uh, you said, seven years. You've been there now. Yep. So we, we in a preview in a pre-interview that we had. Um, you came at it like I would come at it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I have a little knowledge that there's child abuse out there, and I know that it happens. What what kinds of um, what kinds of things struck you as like? You had no clue until you started working at Susie's place. Yeah. I think I had the same reaction to the numbers that you had, which was utter shock. Um, When I was hired at Susie's place seven years ago, I came in for a part-time admin position. 
I knew what Susie's Place did. I was a fan of Susie's Place in theory. Um, and I came into the interview thinking, you know, I used to work in human resources for the Department of Correction. Um, so I knew there are bad guys in the world at the prisons and things like that. Um, I also watched Law and Order SVU um, <laughs> religiously. So I was like, <laughs> I am fully qualified. I am an expert. Exactly. I can do this. I am fully qualified for this job and nothing will surprise me. Right. Um, so that was my initial thought. When I came in the first week, and I tell this story a lot, every day I went home planning to quit my job. Every day, because I was not prepared for the quantity. I mean, I knew they said child abuse happens everywhere. I don't think I ever really thought everywhere included wherever I was. So my neighborhood, my kids' schools, Avon in general, I always thought, yes, child abuse happens everywhere, but really it's over there. I don't even know where there was, but I assumed it was over there. Um, and not to your family. Right. Not to my family, not to my friends, not to their kids, not to the kids in my kiddos' classes. Like, surely, yes, it's a problem, but I don't think I understood the scope of the problem until I worked at Susie's Place. So I would see these kiddos come in and two or three a day getting interviewed at two different locations. Um, I was shocked. And I was shocked at the extent of it. I was shocked at the details of the cases. And literally every day went home with a migraine, sick to my stomach, telling myself, I can't do this. This is too real. This is too many. And I was really astounded by it. And it wasn't until it was actually the Friday of my first week and a little girl went into the interview room with one of our forensic interviewers and they passed by my desk at the time. And she looked broken, not even injuries you can see, but the light in a kid's eyes that should be there, that sparkle that, you know, they're planning something, <laughs> but they haven't done it yet kind right, of right. smirk that they have. Um, there was none of that. And she just looked broken and her eyes were just so sad. And I watched her walk back to that interview room and I called my husband and said, I'm quitting my job today. I cannot do this. It's too much. It's too real. And then I saw her come back out of the interview room after the conversation, and she looked like the weight of the world had been lifted from her shoulders. I mean, she smiled. The sparkle was back. She was lighter than air. And you could just tell that in that moment, the bad parts of her life were going to be over and the good was beginning. And that is when I was like, no, I can do this. <laughs> so it is the content. It is the number of people um, that we see that shocks me. But the biggest part is the change in a child and their resiliency after they're able to tell their experience. That makes me keep doing it. And that change is just phenomenal. So this thing isn't free. How, how do you guys make a, how do you guys make a living? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a nonprofit, but correct. But how do you guys earn the money? Yeah, about a third of our budget comes from federal grants that come from the Victims of Violent Crime Act, um, which is federal money. So we get grant monies. Um, that's always scary because it can fluctuate as the government changes. So you never know exactly how much you're going to get. They're two-year grant cycles. So you hope um, that it's continuing to flow in. So that's part of it. Another third comes with a contract with the state of Indiana, with the Department of Child Services to provide all of their forensic interviews. And then the last part is fundraising. 
it's private citizens, it's going to organizations and companies and leaders in the community and asking them to support the children in their community. And that's, um, that's not easy to do. I no. mean, it, it shouldn't be something that we have to ask for. Right. And that's, we have a very passionate board of directors and Wes Mantooth is our chair. And he always says, like, it should be so easy to tell people what Susie's Place does and the money should just flow in because it is such a game changer for the kiddos in our community. Um, but it is hard. And I think it's hard because most of us are in that same mental place that I used to be in, which is that, yes, I know child abuse is a thing and I know it happens, but it's not happening here. So it is kind of trying to get people to understand that not only does it happen here, Susie's Place has other arms of our agency that also need support. Like we have a prevention program that goes into the schools and teaches body safety and educates kiddos about being able to say no if they feel unsafe and uncomfortable and telling a trusted adult. And it's those things that protect the community as well. So not only are we trying to deal with kiddos who may have already been reported victims, we're trying to reach out to kiddos so that they never become victims. And that's the part too that we're trying to get people to see is that we can continue to run a CAC forever, but we're never going to interview our way out of child abuse we need to start educating the community and the kiddos and hopefully through that child abuse will stop yeah 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 you can't you can't prevent it from a an interview after the fact exactly yeah that, yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah. what other kinds of programs are there with Susie's place um well we have the prevention in addition to the body safety we do what's kind of a community education for adults that work in youth serving positions that is how to spot the signs of child sex abuse and how to report it appropriately so we offer that training as well we have an advocacy program which is actually probably the unsung heroes of Susie's place most people know about the forensic interview part but we have child and family advocates who then stay in touch with the families and the kiddos as long as that family or the kiddo chooses and they help them with wraparound services so if that family finds out six months after the forensic interview that they are interested in mental health needs or if they need financial support or whatever that may look like they can reach out to our advocate and our advocate will put them in touch with community service providers that can help them with those needs so our advocates talk to literally every family that comes through the doors and help them with anything they may need at any time if they go through the criminal justice process they'll stay in touch with them through that whole thing to make sure they understand it if the case does not go criminal for whatever reason and they need like i said the mental health if they need um help with food assistance shelter assistance things like that our advocates will step in and provide that and our families that we've served can call at any time um we also have a therapy dog program and i'm a huge dog person so that's probably my favorite part um but we partner with some different therapy dog nonprofits that come in and they bring their dogs and the kiddos and families absolutely adore that um, we have some partnerships with mental health providers to try and make sure that all of our kiddos can have therapy assistance regardless of their ability to pay. And then we also have programs um, in the medical field where our Bloomington Center has a partnership with a medical provider. They have a suite in our center to provide medical exams for those kiddos who are reported victims in Bloomington so that they don't have to come up to Indianapolis for those forensic medical exams. 
Do you uh, do you only serve uh, agencies uh, like DCS in Hendricks County and the Sheriff's Department in Hendricks County and Avon? I mean, is that or, or do you get from Marion County to come out because of scheduling issues or mm -hmm. anything like that? We actually served last year 36 different counties. So our bread and butter counties that we serve the most, there's probably about 15 of them. So in Avon, not only do we serve Hendricks County, we'll see a few from Marion County, a few from Boone County. County, um, but a lot of Morgan County cases, Shelby County cases, Montgomery County cases, um, and then just a smattering of some other ones. And then in Terre Haute, we do Vigo County, Vermilion, Sullivan, Clay, um, and in Bloomington, they get some Morgan counties as well, but then we'll do Greene County, Owen County, Lawrence County, any of those that are surrounding bartholomew county they also come so and tell me about the big fundraising gala that just happened it was sold out you guys are sold out just about every year aren't you? yes I we mean, are we have great supporters that come every year which is amazing so, so tell me all about the gala and what it does yes so we call it the superhero celebration and this year's theme is stronger together um and it is a gala that we have at the crane bay which is downtown in indianapolis it includes dinner entertainment which this year is a cigar bar like a cigar and bourbon tasting and then we have a dj playing um we also have a silent auction and a live auction and we have what's called the dessert dash where tables get to pool their money together and then pick desserts which are donated from bakeries and restaurants all over the state um so it's super fun it's a great party it celebrates the hard work we've been doing but it also has a program where we talk to the attendees about Susie's place and about what we do and hopefully then get some buy-in from those folks and get some new supporters what's the future what's the what what <laughs> get, get your crystal ball out and and tell me tell me Lynn what 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 is the future I mean does this get does this get better? I hope so. I think the more podcasts like this that we do, the more outreach we have, the more people know that this really is a significant problem in their community. And we open some eyes to that fact and to the number of kiddos that go through these things every day. Um, the prevention programs in the schools and with community youth serving organizations. Through all of that, I think we reduce the stigma of talking about child abuse, of admitting that it's a problem in our neighborhood, sometimes even in our homes. And then it does get better because as soon as we shine the light on it, that cycle of abuse can go down. So there are 24 CACs in the state of Indiana. Um, Susie's Place is only three of those. So the more we talk There's about... There's only 24? Mm-hmm. And you know what happens in rural counties. Oh, yes. And yeah. maybe even more. Right. I mean, just because population's smaller doesn't right. mean... No. I mean, that's the hardest part with child abuse is there's no one area to target to try to get it eradicated. So you can't look at one socioeconomic status. You can't say it happens in rural versus urban areas. You can't say it happens to anywhere in particular. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yes. I mean, it's really yeah a disease yep and the rural communities are definitely hit the hardest because they have the fewest amount of resources i mean in addition to just having it's harder to access a cac like Susie's place the mental health opportunities are less even medical programs 
there are fewer. So it's harder if you have someone who has lower income in those areas and having to spend gas money to either come in for a medical or therapy appointment to a city or buy groceries Hmm. to live off of for a week. That's a hard decision to make. So it can be really challenging to reach out to those rural communities. Why is it called Susie's Place? That's a really good question. Um, Susie Austin is our namesake. Um, When Emily Perry, the executive director, was tossing around the idea of a Hendricks County Child Advocacy Center, she was working really hard to come up with the appropriate name. Susie Austin was with the Hendricks County Sheriff Department. She started as a secretary and worked her way up to being a detective. And she really is the person who single-handedly put working crimes against children on the map in this county. She started prevention programs all on her own. She worked cases of crimes against children and sex crimes against women. That became kind of her bread and butter and what she was passionate about. So when we started talking about names for the CAC, Susie and Susie Austin came up all the time. And unfortunately, (laughs) she passed away before we opened our doors, but we work every day to ensure that she and her family are proud of the work that we do because she really did start that kind of thought process of protecting our children in this community. You're listening to Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers and Gus Piercy, presented by Abstract and Title and Hendricks Power Cooperative. Lynn Clinton from Susie's Place. It's uh, open mic. Uh, I know you got your Starbucks there, but uh, <laughs> so you're you're hyped up on the caffeine and uh, anything we didn't talk about that really needs to be talked about. Go. That's a tough one. Um, I think the only other thing to talk about is if people are sitting at home and they're thinking, what can we do? Um, What can we do for Susie's Place? What can we do for the kids in our community? And I think that's important. Um, I think if we have parents sitting at home, it's important for you to think through having those tough conversations with your kiddos, making sure they know that you're a trusted adult and that they can come to you if they ever feel unsafe and uncomfortable, making sure they understand their private body parts and understanding the names of those body parts, which can also be very uncomfortable. But (laughs) But that is a huge lesson and one that I had never given any thought to as a parent until I worked at Susie's place. Um, And then it occurred to me, you know, I don't know that I've ever had that conversation to make sure my kids know that they can talk about these body parts without feeling shame. And that's critical if somebody is touching them inappropriately or making them feel unsafe or uncomfortable. It's really important that they can articulate where and why and how. So those kind of educational pieces and just letting them know that anything that happens to them, it's not their fault, they're not in trouble, and that you're there to support them. Having that open communication with your kiddos is critical to making sure that if something ever does happen, they can come to you and they can tell you and we can make it stop. to support your community, it is really important that everybody is working together to report child abuse and crimes against children. And so there's that common phrase of, if you see something, say something. Yeah. And that is so true. We're all mandatory reporters in the state of Indiana. There's no person who can walk away and go, that's not my job to call it in. Um, but the Department of Child Services gets a bad rap, and a lot of people call them the Department of Child Snatchers, and they think they're just trying to steal children away. Or the reverse is true and people think they just don't do anything. The reality is there's a lot of highly trained professionals working for the Department of Child Services 
particularly in Hendricks County where we are, there are excellent staff there and they're trained to do these investigations. So you don't have to know for a fact that something is happening to report it. If you suspect something, call it in and they're going to do their due diligence because it is really important that we're all looking out for the kiddos in our community. Call it in. Yeah. I know, I know we've, uh, we've gone a long time without talking, but is there a website for Susie's place? Yep. It's Susie's place.org. And Susie's Place is S-U-S-I-E-S-P-L-A-C-E dot O-R-G. And you can donate there? Yes. And you can get all the information you need about reporting and that kind of stuff there? Absolutely. It talks about our prevention program. It talks about every facet of Susie's Place, how to report child abuse, the best ways to do that. The phone number, which I can also give, is 1-800-800-5556 to to report to Child Protective Services. Do that one more time, just so that I know. (laughs) It's 1-800-800-5556 to report child abuse and neglect. Um, Also on our website, you can donate, which we love community support. We appreciate it so much at Susie's Place. You can also sign up to volunteer. So if yeah, you're somebody probably, in the community, you probably need some volunteers. Yes, we love having people come in. Um, we are a nonprofit, so things as simple as coming in and helping us clean the center, do a deep cleaning, especially um, with COVID nineteen and cold and flu season around the corner. We love <laughs> having people come in and help with things like that, disinfecting toys. We have clerical projects, we have mailing projects. So anybody who's sitting at home thinking, "Hey, that's a place I would like to get involved with," we have a lot of different ways that you can do that. I do a lot of uh, articles about uh, the pandemic, Mm COVID-19, and that's going to go away and we're going to get back to normal. But (laughs) this is this is the real pandemic. Child sexual abuse, child abuse in general is a pandemic. It's um, a horrible, horrible thing that we have to come to terms with in our society and i i really appreciate uh, the heroes over at Susie's place for <laughs> helping with uh trying to get rid of it uh and helping those deal with it who have to, to suffer with it 75 percent. that's mm-hmm. out of a thousand kids that's a lot yep it's staggering yeah and again those are the ones that were reported so yeah, right. the amount of things flying under the radar, right. I, it's even scary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I yep. get so angry about this, but really, I do appreciate you coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great.